Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing this week on Wednesday afternoon. Joining me from New York City, for those of you watching on YouTube, look at that beautiful new background and mm. his beautiful new home. That's now right. settled in New York City. No more transition background in corporate housing. It's Tim Bontemps. That's right. Hello, guys. How are we doing? And the man with the plan, the man who is in that sort of very artsy background, if you're watching on YouTube, which, you know, you don't have to watch on YouTube. We love all of our listeners. There was, the there was a time there was a time when McMahon was very invested in this YouTube background. Then it quickly went away. And now it's just a blank white. Well, here's wall. the thing. No, no, no. But it's it a looks gray good. wall. Also, <laughs> the Wi-Fi doesn't work that well in the office. Ah. So, like, to do something there would be a, a waste of time. But please continue with the introduction. <laughs> a mesh network. It's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. We have a couple of announcements at the start today. Okay. The first announcement is that next week there will be no Who Collective pod. We, I will be out of town. And I'm always out of town, but I will be out of the country. And uh, we're taking the week off. We'll be back the week after that. Uh, in, in the event of major significant breaking news, we will, of course, do an emergency pod, but there will be no Hoop Collective next week. Um, the other announcement is a preemptive congratulations, because this Saturday, our man, Ben McMahon, is getting married. Congratulations, McMahon. We are the whole Hoop Collective family is very happy for you. I hope everything goes great. Well, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to getting hitched to my IT department. It is going to be a wonderful <laughs> ceremony that Wendy has declined to attend. I was going to say, the Hoop Collective controversial. I was going so to say, the Hoop Collective family feels so good about it that uh, one third of the pod <laughs> will not be there. Well, yeah, he has to congratulate me now because he told me he didn't have time for for peons. He only attends. That's right. Uh, you know, the, the, the management type of weddings. No, right. What happened here That's right. is ever since Bond Temps referred to Wendy publicly as a jackass, he has refused to socialize with us. Even That's I thought point. I thought that would like the, a wedding I thought would be enough to kind of break the ice there, but apparently not. So looking forward to seeing Bond Temps. I mean, to be honest, if I had to have one or the other, I'd have chose Wendy, but I didn't get to make the choice. <laughs> No, I will. Yeah. I will be there representing. Yes, thank you for uh, representing the Hoop Collective, uh, Mr. Bontemps. Please, that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm here for. So, when you sign the guest book, um, please sign. Uh, please sign my name. Uh, no, uh, previously scheduled vacation, but congratulations to you and Maria. I hope you have a wonderful day, and uh, you'll be taking a little bit of time off from the pod. You'll be back relatively soon, but the honeymoon forthcoming. Um, so, congratulations to McMahon. Somebody loves them. Took a it's while. Good lead to in. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good lead into our topic on the, uh, the pod today. McMahon, you big are winner correct. of the summer. That's <laughs> right. So today we're looking at the winners and losers of the offseason. Now, granted, there's an asterisk here because with two, you know, all-star players, one of them uh, first bout Hall of Famer, still on the trade block. Although there's a decent chance neither of them are going to get traded before the start of training camp, but. With two of them out there, you know, the offseason is not complete. But for the time being, it looks like um, the offseason is quieted down. Um, the free agent market is pretty much depleted, with the exception of Colin Sexton, who's restricted and in a holding pattern, probably until, you know, up until the training camp, until 
we we see if there's any other major moves that happen. Um, we do have some extensions coming. Extensions uh, in August. There's a whole bunch of players who can extend, which we'll talk about later in the month. But unlikely that's going to involve transactions. That's you know that's going to or you know players moving. That's going to involve players uh, either committing or not committing. LeBron being at the top of that list. He is extension eligible um, next. Thursday or Friday, I think. Uh, doesn't I mean he'll August sign. August 4th, next Thursday, I believe. Okay. Um, doesn't mean he'll sign that day. There's a lot around that decision, which we'll talk about. But um, uh, that'll probably be the more of the NBA sort of, sort of uh, news, so to speak. Uh, so we're going to talk about the winners and losers. And we're going to start off with the winners, uh, in our view. Bontemps, um, if you had to declare right now, granted, it could change because uh, there could be major trades later on. But sitting here as we are at the last week of July, um, you know, who would you say is your winner, at least your top winner of uh, free agency at this point? Uh, the two teams that immediately come to mind to me that because uh, I, I think it's sort of a weird offseason that there isn't necessarily one thing that dramatically stands out. But I, I think that the two teams that stand to mind to me to stand out to me the most are the Celtics and the Sixers up here in the Northeast and that the Celtics get Malcolm Brogdon, and Danilo Gallinari, two guys that add some questions for them to me, temperament wise in the locker room, obviously injury wise. We'll see if they're both healthy when the games matter in May and June, but this team we saw really struggle on offense, especially in the finals struggled throughout the playoffs uh, at times offensively makes their bench a lot deeper. I think they're the deepest team in the league. I think they should be the best team in the NBA next season during the regular season. I think they should win 60-plus games, have the number one seed in the East. And then I think Philly, you know, we've talked about it a ton on the pod, but this team needed defense, athleticism, rebounding, toughness. They had De'Anthony Melton. They had Daniel House. They obviously had P.J. Tucker. And they get a full off season where, in theory, James Harden will be, if not the same player, better than he was next year. And this team was really good when they had him over the final couple of months of the regular season. So to me, those two teams should go into next season a lot better. And I think if you're looking across the East in particular, uh, those two teams really stand out to me. Yeah, th- those are the two teams that uh, w- would be at the top of my list. The Celtics are are particularly interesting. Um, obviously, go to the finals. Uh, I thought the Brogdon move addressed kind of their, their biggest need without sacrificing a single rotation piece. So... You know, that, that's a very interesting move. I think, though, they have created some potential chemistry issues. And, you know, you're bringing Brogdon off the bench. We're going to see how he accepts that role. You know, perhaps a chance for him to uh, play for a contender again. Well, in uh, Milwaukee, who's trying to build at that point, the Celtics are definitely there. But to, to play meaningful basketball again, perhaps he will be open to that, especially as the, the newcomer there. And then you've got this KD uh, thing where Jalen Brown would be the centerpiece. That, to me, I, I get that it's Kevin Durant. I get why you would have the interest. I think they need to tread very carefully with the perception that they are dangling Jalen Brown again um, because, you know, obviously he has been a core piece. He was the second-best player on a team that went to game six of the NBA finals. Um, he is underpaid given his production. You cannot extend him because he would be extending off of a contract that is below his value. Um, and if if he's not if he's not feeling loved when 2024 offseason comes around, 
I think there's going to be several attractive options for him. So just a a little yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. So Woj reported it um, that the Celtics offered Jalen Brown. Um, you know the word. One of the things I've learned in uh, covering the NBA in my time, it, it the word offer is a it's a trigger word mm-hmm. for uh, when you talk to uh, executives and agents. Um, you know whether it's whether it's hiring a coach. You know, uh, well he was never offered the job. Well, okay. You know, uh, or, you know, because sometimes these teams, when they talk, they talk about concepts. You know, sometimes there's actually a formal, you know, we here is what our offer is. And sometimes, you know, talking about a concept can it's not really an offer and they can play with the language. But I mean, let's just be honest. If you're the Celtics and you call the the, the Nets and you're having a conversation about Kevin Durant, right. you're going to have to offer high level uh, players and draft picks. So, and that conversation like, starts with Jason Tatum's off the table. Of, of course. And so, so, so who, who, who else is in the yes. offer? I mean, come on. Yeah. And I mean, like, look, Jalen Brown is a smart person. Um, if Jalen Brown was running the Celtics, uh, if he, you know, he would probably offer his clone in a trade for Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that Jalen Brown can't uh, use it as a card uh, you know, against not, not as if he else use it against the team, but it doesn't mean he can't, you know, have faux outrage, but you know, let's just be honest. If you're going to engage in the conversation and if you're the Celtics, why wouldn't you call and investigate that? Now, Bontemps has talked about this for almost a whole year now, and he's mm-hmm. been proven right because Brad Stevens has doubled, even tripled down on this. Danny Ainge was very reluctant to trade, first round draft picks. He did do it a couple of times. And you know, one of the best trades he made, um, you know, two big trades he made, one was for Isaiah Thomas, which is for a first. And one was for Kyrie Irving. He obviously gave an unprotected first. So it wasn't like never, but he was reluctant uh, to do picks with, uh, with first. That has not been the case for Brad Stevens. He has been the lead executive for one year and he has traded, I think three first. Isn't that right? Bontemps? Uh, he traded one for Derek White. He traded one to get off of Kemba Walker and get Al Horford. And he traded one to get Malcolm Brogdon. So yeah, right. three. I was counting it out as it went along. To make I'm sure not sure right. that Ainge traded three in the last decade. Um, you know, he traded one for Kyrie and one for Isaiah Thomas. I, I don't, you know, I don't have all the Celtics um, moves committed to memory, but. Um, it's, a, it's at least around the same amount he's traded in a long time. That's for right. sure. Obviously he traded some for Kevin Garnett back in 2007, but um, I'm not sure he traded that many after that. So the point is when you start talking about um, trading uh, with Boston, making trade, you know, Brad Stevens being willing to give first, that's not an unreasonable thing. Um, and so also Jalen Brown is, you know, there's that list of guys, whatever it is, 15 or 18 guys deep. It's actually gotten a little deeper since um, since the Durant trade request that they can't trade for with Ben Simmons on the roster. Well, as McMahon said, because Jalen Brown is not, um, you know, he doesn't, he's not on a max, he can be traded and be on the same team as Ben Simmons. And, um, you know, Jalen Brown, with all due respect, is not Kevin Durant. Uh, so, um, and, and regardless whether or not Durant was on the market or anything, they do have, you know, in all probability, Jalen Brown will be, will get to unrestricted free agency in 2024. Right. Because his contract is, he is not 
under the rules, it is, does not behoove him to extend. Even if the Celtics had gone 82-0 and in the playoffs in this regular season mm-hmm. last year, 16-0 in the playoffs, and Jalen oh. averaged 80 points a game, he would not extend right now. Right. The um, way that changes is if he makes All-NBA next season, um, which I'll just say, if they're as good as I think they can be and they have the best record in the league <laughs> and they win 60-plus games, I don't think it's out of the question that Jalen Brown Fair. makes an all NBA team next year. He's, he doesn't turn the ball over every third <laughs> time well, he has a possession. I mean, yeah. uh, that's the here nor there. Anyway, well, but, 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 but it's not because listen, how many two way wings are there that average 24, seven and three and a half assists. I mean, he, he's, he's one of the best two way wings in the league at age 25 if he doesn't make all NBA and he hits the mark in 2024, uh, obviously a lot can change between now and then, but there are, I can run down any a list team, of, any team with max cap space would be lining up to sign. Him. And, and there could be a lot of teams with max cap space, including some that would be extremely attractive, you know, like one uh, in Dallas, for example. What, yeah. One in that. Now you say, well, how many, you know, how many situations are there going to be where he can play with a player, you know, as, as great as Tatum? Well, you know, Dallas is is certainly a possibility. Memphis with John Moran, you know, we can argue is Moran as good as Tatum, but whatever. You know, that could be a a contender. You know, Cleveland with with Mobley and and that core uh, in plays could be interesting. I mean, we can go on down the list again. A lot can change contractually between sure. now and twenty twenty four. But I also think if there's the perception that Jalen Brown is going to be on the market and considering options. There will also be teams that will plan to take a shot at him. No question. You, and I would, and I'm also yeah. on the record as saying I wouldn't do this trade if I was the Celtics, which I understand is, you know, maybe a minority position. But I look at this Celtics team, and as McMahon said, the most valuable thing you can find in the league right now are young two-way wing players. And the Celtics have built this team around two of them, and Jalen mm-hmm. Brown and Jason Tatum. And the thing I've appreciated about what Brad Stevens has done since he's gotten this job last summer is he has actively tried to build around those two guys. In other words, he has looked at the team and said, we need to maximize what we have around these two guys. And every move they've made has been in that vein. And it's why they took off last season when they moved on from Ben Schroeder and Josh Richardson, guys that weren't great fits. It's why Malcolm Brogdon, assuming, you know, the, chemistry with him and Marcus Smart doesn't get mm-hmm. sideways, you know, with him coming off the bench and Marcus, you know, certainly waited a long time to be the starting point guard. I think they want to make sure he feels comfortable that he is going to be the starter still, you know, that's going to help them in terms of some, some of that extra shot creation they didn't have, but this team has been built around those two guys and they have a chance for me to be a championship level team for the next five to seven years, assuming mm-hmm. that Jalen resigns. And I'm not giving that up even to take on Kevin Durant at this point, as great as Durant is given the injury concerns you have, given the age concerns you have, and given the fact that the Celtics already are to me, one of the three or four best teams in the league. If I'm making yeah, a trade but, like this for Kevin Durant, I got to get, I'm, but you, well, make the call. yeah, sure. I get it. I'm just saying for me, ultimately I wouldn't be doing it because if I'm, if you look at the past at teams that have made this kind of trade to get a guy like Kevin Durant, you're, you're a team that's not in the very top tier that's trying to get in the top tier. And so it's worth taking the risk, you know, because obviously there's some risk there to mm-hmm. dramatically alter your team to get this guy. For me, the Celtics are already in that tier and they're set up to be in that tier for five years. So I wouldn't your point be sacrificing is, that. Your point is at the cost of Durant, you're not sure when the 
when the smoke clears, whether or not you are a better team in the, in the short to medium term. And that yeah. is also, by the way, the same situation that the Suns find themselves in. If they have to include well, I, Cam Johnson, I, yeah. Miles Bridges, you know, at the time I, they were they were talking about eight and two. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, so I disagreed on the Suns. I think I think all the other teams that have been talked about, Phoenix, Toronto, Miami, I think they all need to do everything. I mean, short of trading Scotty Barnes, I think all those teams need to do whatever they can to try to get. KD because of what it would do for their direction. Well, I just think also the Celtics, because, it doesn't change it much. Well, the Suns, they're on the CP3 window, right? And and yes. they'll retool around Booker, and I'm not saying they're done being relevant, but as far as like they have a, con- a window as a contender that is tied to Chris Paul, the Miami Heat have a window as a contender, quasi-contender, however you want to define that, that's tied to Jimmy Butler. The Celtics window is tied to Jason Tatum, who is yet to hit his prime. You know, uh, Jalen Brown, who is about to enter his prime. And I would be curious to see some nerd like Kevin Pelton um, <laughs> put together a uh, the, shrapnel. The, Pelton just takes some shrapnel. Yeah. Nerd is referred to him as the machine. Just referred to him as the machine. The machine. And nerd is a complimentary term. It means he's okay. he's smart and can crunch numbers in a way that I'm not capable of doing. But to put together a a report that basically says here's the probability you know whatever kind of you know figure out what the trade could look like here's the probability of the Celtics winning the championship if they pull off this trade next year the year after the year after because I'm gonna say with KD you're probably in a three-year window versus the probability over seven years if you don't make the trade and just what those numbers because I think you have to consider yes Trading for Kevin Durant, I think you go from one of the three or four best teams to the favorite going into the next season. Um, but you are certainly shortening the window. All right. But for the for the purposes of this discussion about winners in the offseason, I think you said it, McMahon, they're bringing back their whole core, mm-hmm. most of whom are young and in their prime, some of whom have room to grow. I mean, I think Robert Williams uh, has room to grow. Grant Williams didn't have a great back end of the playoffs last year. He has room to grow. Um, Tatum and Jalen Brown are still getting better. And then you other add, than Al Horford, their whole team is either prime or younger age. wise Well, yeah. Gallinari's back end, but you know, you add Gallinari and Brogdon to a team that is still getting better. So that's why they're there. As far as Philly goes, you know, while the fit of everything is still up in the air of the, in, the, and you know, a lot of it will determine around, um, Harden, because of the contract that Harden signed and the maneuvers they made, they were able to add three significant pieces to their roster, PJ Tucker, DeAnthony Melton, Daniel House, without subtracting any. Danny Green was traded, but he was going to be out for mm-hmm. the whole season or pretty close to it. Um, so again, you look at the sort of the same thing. They have their stars back and they're adding to it. Um, and that's why you you know, you feel good about them stepping forward. Although well, well I think I'm they're not adding sure they're, pieces that you, you, yeah. you basically, you know how PJ Tucker fits with Harden. And honestly, you know how he fits with Embiid because he's not going to need, he's going to go stand in the corner, shoot 38, 40% on corner threes and, and, you know, guard his ass off. You know, Daniel house is understands that he's a role player here. So I, I don't really worry. Dan Anthony Melton's always been a, a role player. Um, I don't the, the the two issues with the Sixers are 
it's always going to be Embiid's health and is Harden is Harden, you know, can he reverse the decline that we've seen over the last year? And what does PJ go off a cliff? I mean, that's always at yeah. this point, you know, PJ was the the Bucks bet PJ couldn't do what he did with them when he left. <laughs> then he was great with the Heat last year, might add his best season. Then obviously, you know, the Heat wanted to keep him, but Philly is betting he could continue doing that at 38, 39, and 40 to some degree. That's that's a, a heavy bet. But as we as I mentioned earlier, he is literally exactly what they needed on a lot of fronts. Mm-hmm. And as as we've talked about many times on the pod, it wasn't a mistake that after game six, the big fellow went on a two-minute soliloquy about how he's never had a player like PJ Tucker on his team. Well, now he has PJ on his team. So now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting, conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash hoop right now. Shopify.com slash hoop. He was the face of the New York Yankees and the most admired player in baseball. The captain tells the story of Derek Jeter's life and Hall of Fame career. Catch episode three on Thursday, July 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and streaming on ESPN+. All right, a couple more winners. A couple more winners I wanted to talk about. For me, I, want, I think we should talk about Atlanta. Um, they were a team that desperately needed some defense. Um, they also needed to shake up their team a little bit. Um, so uh, getting to Jonte Murray um, in the type of trade they did, they did give away, you know, future firsts. Um, but they added DeJounte Murray without subtracting any of their core players. This is in a prototypical player that you would want to put next to Trey Young, a guy who has really good defense, doesn't have to have the ball, but can handle the ball, great length and size that he can uh, multiple positions and take pressure off a of Trey. Um, and even though they had John Collins hanging out there in the trade market, um, they still have Collins. They still have DeAndre Hunter. They still have 
Onyeka Kwangu, um, guys who they could use in future trades or he can get better. Um, this roster could still improve. Um, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich did have offseason knee surgery, so we'll see how he comes back. But you're looking at uh, a significant upgrade to their roster. I don't know, Bontemps, where they shake out in the East with how competitive it is, but you can't look at them and say they didn't get better, I don't think. Yeah, I think they got better. I, I you know, I wouldn't have had them in the winner category just because I'm not sure how much better they got. I love DeJounte Murray though. I think it was, he's, a, it was a heck of a trade. Yeah. He's a, he's a good player. I mean, it, they, they gave up a lot to get him mm-hmm. and you know, again, I'm not sure how much it changed their trajectory, but you know, again, that's a trade where if assuming DeJounte, who's like Jalen Brown signed to too low a contract to realistically extend him. If he resigns in a couple of years when his deal is up and you have him and Trey young for the next five to seven years, sort of like we're talking about the Celtics, then yeah, I think, that's a trade that could work out really well for them. If you're talking about, the I next don't think two they're years. done. I think there's another transaction coming for them. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying That's like what, in the next, you know, two weeks, but like th- th- there will be another transaction for them to make. It feels this, like they're not done dealing. This sets them up though. This opens a lot of doors for them and should make them better. Yeah. He yeah, should I, be a great fit next to Trey. Go ahead. I, I think the only reason to not, automatically put them in the winner category is you can argue, Hey, did they give up too steep of a price in terms of, in terms of the picks to get DeJounte Murray, but there's no question that he makes them much better, not just because of the way I think he will fit with Trey young, but the fact that the Hawks offense went from elite to awful when Trey young rested. And now they've got a guy who can run, uh, you know, run the show, when Trey Young's on the bench, he can also handle the ball when Trey Young's in the game and take some pressure off him, let him play off the ball where, you know, I think you'll see him be able to do, I'm not saying he's Steph Curry, but some, uh, some stuff like things. And when they get into the playoffs, a team can't just say, Hey, we're going to do everything we can to make Trey Young's life miserable because they don't have anybody else on that, on that roster that can make us pay for doing that. Well, they do now. So, yeah, I just think, your points about what they gave up are accurate. I just think if you're going to give up multiple firsts, make it for a all-star in his mid twenties <laughs> under yep. contract. Yep. And, and you know, his contract, he's got the same situation as Jalen Brown. He, mm-hmm. he makes 16, five this year and 17, seven next. Um, by the way, next year isn't even guaranteed because remember when he signed the contract, he was coming off the ACL, the extension with the Spurs. So he's, he's, there's just no way he's extending that contract. I mean, and, Obviously, right. you never say never. Um, so they're going to probably have to deal with him um, as an unrestricted free agent in 2024. But you know, if you're going to if you're going to trade multiple firsts, go after a, a mid 20s in his prime all star under contract. Um, Bontemps, you and I talked about this yesterday, and you had um, I think I agreed with you. I agree with you now. You had the Minnesota Timberwolves in the uh, in the winning camp in the offseason with their big Rudy Gobert trade. Um, and it was a big trade. Um, and I, I agree, right. I mean, to add a player like Rudy Gobert, um, we'll talk about the cost here in a second, but you can't deny that they should be significantly better defensively. Yeah. I think if you're just talking about, you know, by the way, another winner of the off season that we didn't talk about yesterday is Jalen Brunson, who we'll get to more in a bit, but him, him getting paid the number he did after what he was willing to sign. And Dallas was not willing to sign him for a few months ago. He is a big winner, but we'll get to that in a bit. But 
yeah, I think when you look at Minnesota, set aside the cost of the trade for a second, because obviously that is a significant factor down the road. But to me, if you're just talking about next season and looking at this team, I think you make an argument that this Minnesota team is a better version of what Utah has been, which has been a 50 plus win team the past few years. We're talking about a Minnesota Timberwolves team that has made the playoffs once, I guess this year, twice in 20 years. Right. So like if you're, if you tell, if you tell Minnesota Timberwolves fans, Hey, the next three or four years, your team's going to win more than 50 games a year, probably after this trade to me, that's, if I'm a Wolves fan, I'm really excited because this is, they've never had that kind of run since KG left or really even since the last couple of years, KG was there. So that's why I look at them as a win. I, I obviously there's questions about them in the playoffs. We'll see how cat and Rudy fit um, in terms of being able to play playoff level defense, but we all love out the Ant-Man on the pod. He is certainly on the Ascension. Rudy is, I think the best regular season, minimum, minimum regular season defensive player in the league. I think he's going to dramatically raise their floor at that end of the court. And Townsend, Townsend, Ant-Man will do more than enough scoring to have them still be an awesome offensive team. So I think, like I said, it's purely looking at on the court next season. I think Minnesota is going to be awesome. And, and I, I really like where they're headed from that standpoint. Well, and, and you know, I heard Cat at his press conference uh, after signing his Supermax extension, you know, he's talking about it's championship or bust now. No, it's not. This is the Minnesota Timberwolves, a franchise that has <laughs> advanced in the playoffs one time in the 33-year history of the franchise. They damn near held a parade when they won in the play-in tournament. Okay, if this if this team wins the first round, that's a monumental accomplishment yeah. for that franchise. So, you know, we we can argue, hey, are, is this Timberwolves core? Uh, you know, does that project to be good enough to win a championship? But at, at a certain point. Dude, if if they are relevant and can win a, a playoff series, a few playoff series over the next four or five years, then I think you can argue the trade is worth it. Although, like we all know, I mean, I'm a I'm a Rudy Gobert guy, but man, they gave up a lot. Well, I mean, they, we'll they, talk about that in a second. I, I want to also talk. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. All, all I was going to say was the only thing I would say to rebut your point at all is that. I do think it's championship or bust only in the standpoint that if you trade that many picks for somebody, to me, that's saying you believe you're a championship level team, right? Like Minnesota doesn't trade all those picks to win one playoff series in theory, right? They're doing that because they think Rudy with Ant-Man and Carl makes them a championship level team. I'm not sure it does. And I think you're right. If they are just a, like I just said, if they're the jazz the next four years, Mm-hmm. and to make the second round four times or make the conference finals once, that's the best run the franchise has ever had. So it's not like people look at Literally it and say ever. it's a fail. Right. <laughs> so it's not like people look at that and say it's a failure. But I do think when you make when you make a trade at that cost, you are setting yourself up for that to be the standard that you're going up against on some level, is that this is a trade we think makes us that good. Let's talk about the rest of their offseason real quick. So that was their two big moves, the Gobert trade and extending towns. They made some signings. So they signed Kyle Anderson, who really nice move. Uh, they signed him for two year or two years and uh, about 18 million or 19 million. Um, I think next year, no, it's not non-guaranteed. It's guaranteed. But um, that, you know, like he's not going to 
be a difference maker, but he's a quality player, quality veteran player. They signed, you know, a couple of minimums. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and spend a lot of time talking about Bryn Forbes and Austin Rivers. Those are decent signs. Bryn Forbes shoots over 40% from three in his career. And Austin Rivers, you can't count on him every night, but he is a quality rotation player. They, mm-hmm. they, they had an aggressive free agent season for a team that didn't have any money to spend. Um, okay, now I want to talk about the trade. Um, this has been the biggest topic of conversation with me to executives for the last couple of weeks. Obviously, you're always talking about Durant and then Donovan Mitchell, but this is what people... They remain a gawk at it. Um, is that a word? Yeah. I don't think uh, it is. A gog. A oh, gawk? a gog. You said, I think, yeah. A gog is a word. Or whatever. You said don't... it with a K the first time. Usually right. the words I don't know are much longer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they remain amazed by it. Oh, a gog. One... Very eager or curious to hear or see something. They are a gog to see how this is going to work out. <laughs> yeah. The... Um, the, the education McMahon continues. <laughs> the I was one executive who was, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say he was making fun of them, but he was just like, you know, they were thrilled internally that they were able to keep Jaden McDaniels and thought, boy, that was a real win in the deal that we um, kept Jaden McDaniels because Jaden McDaniels is a interesting developmental player. Um, but, you know, they, you know, internally they were like, we, and he was basically saying, you know, that's what he's you, a quality you, starter with major developmental potential. A, a, a developmental player tells me he's like a 12th man. They're hoping fair. can become a rotation player. That's fair. That's fair. Anyway, the point the guy was making was like, you know, they were, you know, evaluating the trade afterwards. Like, man, we kept Jaden McDaniels as if they got a win in that, in that negotiation. And Danny um, Ainge is, is, is swimming in picks. You know, he's doing like back pedals and stuff and all the picks that he got. Yeah. So, um, uh, this, this is, it's going to, this is one of those deals that could, we could discuss it routinely for the next five to eight years, just like we did that Nets Celtics deal. Um, it all depends on how this works. Now, I, I think this, you know, Gobert is at least still in his prime, unlike Garnett and Pierce who were clearly past their primes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the price is higher. The price is higher. Um, and the other thing is, it's not real clear to me that when the games really, really matter, and granted, Bontemps is right, for the for the Wolves, the games that matter could be the ones that get them into the playoffs proper, not even the play-in. That those are the games that could matter. But when the when you get into when it when the you know the really is, you know, chips on the line like they were against Memphis. Nobody is 100% sure whether Gobert and Towns can be out there at the same time, whether that's going to work. Well, and you you're, you're, you might be putting Rudy back in a similar situation as he was in the playoffs with the Jazz, where he's going to have to clean up a lot. Now, I think Jaden McDaniels is a better defender than anybody that he played with uh, in Utah. You know, I mean, Royce O'Neal is certainly a try-hard guy and a, and a quality defender but he's six foot four you know mcdaniels is six ten athletic um and then yeah not that not that scoring points was the jazz's problem in, in a lot of their playoff failures but i've said it before i i do think that these are the two best offensive talents that gobert has ever played with now 
Donovan Mitchell is a better offensive player to this point than than uh, than the Ant Man, but I think you can look at the Ant Man and project him to surpass Donovan Mitchell. And then you know, Cat, um, you know, for for as much as we make fun of him, he does have an argument for one of the greatest shooting big men of all. Not one of he his argument is he is. I, you know, I'm never gonna. <laughs> I mean, I need he's to. He's a tremendous. To see him do he's a, a tremendous more. scorer. Just Tremendous whatever score. else you want to say about him, he is an incredible score. He's an he's an all look. They have two All NBA players. The guys were All NBA players. Gobert and Tarleton. Mm-hmm. They're All NBA players. And Anthony Edwards has All NBA. He team. might he might be an All NBA player this year. Yeah. Anthony Edwards. Like that would not it wouldn't it wouldn't stun me if that happened. It uh, surprised me thing, a little, but it wouldn't stun me. As as much as we're talking about the fit uh, on the on the defensive end come playoff time. I do think how it all comes together offensively is going to be very interesting. Um, is is Gobert going to spend a lot of time in the dunker spot? You know, is is he what he does best is pick and roll, dive hard to the rim, lob threat. Well, if he's doing that, how involved is Cat going to be? Is is Cat going to be you know spend a lot of time spotting up on the weak side? Cat loves to shoot. We know that. Well, I I was going to say if if that's the case, you've got to make sure that Cat's getting up ten or eleven threes per game, which is not a bad idea. Um, but I, and I I also I do trust Chris Finch to figure out how to how to make all that work. I I, I do give him credit for being a really He's a really smart offensive coach. Yeah, really smart and creative. And an Ohio State fan. I won't hold that against him. He averaged six threes a game last year, Towns. That should go up. I'm um, sure it will. Be surprised if it won't. Bontemps, let me ask you this before we move on. D'Angelo Russell is the last year of his contract, $31 million this year. What do they do with D'Angelo Russell? I think they're going to try to trade him. That'd be my guess. I mean, I think they're going to try to turn him into a better player. I mean, that's that's the other thing that is worth looking at with this team is that that's sort of the one chip that's sitting out there, right? It's Mm -hmm. like they've got this $31 million expiring contract. Um, um, But if if you look at it, like they've got their big three. Now they've got this other salary slot. What do they turn it into? Because to me, that's the that's the one interesting sort of looming question with this team. If they could, they could take him and turn him into a couple of players that better fit around those guys and give give them some more defense and some more, um, you know, some more of the kind of stuff they maybe need in the playoffs. Uh, I think their ceiling defense? goes up that much higher. Well, I meant more defense around the other three guys. Anybody yeah, is going to be more yeah. defense than D'Angelo. Any but, defense? Yeah, I look at D'Angelo Russell. A lot the, like I look at John Collins in Atlanta, and we're talking different positions, different contractual situations, but these are guys who, I ju- you know, big salaries, and I don't think they're there much longer, right? And the question is, can they? Can the Hawks flip Collins for something that that makes them better? Can the Wolves flip Russell for something that makes them better? They both had discussions and haven't figured it out yet. Um, okay. Before we move on any more winners, I think that basically covers it. Okay. Um, before we move on, it's trivia time. That means Tim, the Bontemps is up. What do you have for us? If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. 
The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class. They have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Now it's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. So we talked a lot about um, we talked a lot about the KD situation this summer and the idea of him changing teams. Um, and there are, you know, given obviously he's a great scorer, Celtics made the finals. Um, made the finals last year. There are four players in NBA history that have scored 25 points per game or more the season before that joined a team that made the finals in the off season. Who are those four players? Who joined a team that made, so a team like, coming off of a finals appearance. Yes. Like what KD did with the well, Warriors. Yeah. KD, KD is obviously one of the four. So that's an easy one. So who are the other three? Hmm. All it all time, happened since 1980. Oh, all since 80. Or since the Moses, but Moses since Malone? Moses Malone is is one of them. Carl Malone was, isn't one, is he? Carl He'd Malone didn't off. score enough. Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hmm. So we've have two uh, of the four, two of the four, right? You have two of the four. You have the two easy ones. Oh, great. The other two, the other two, <laughs> the other two are uh are I don't want to say they're trick answers, but they're they're tricky answers. I even give you another hint. It they've 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 happened within the last ten years. Within the last ten years. Okay. Well, these we have to think about LeBron's teams because LeBron. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Um. Hmm. They could they could never import talent, so I I don't think that happened. Andre would no, he would not. Nope. Very that much. Nope. Uh, Al Horford. No, Al Horford. Didn't no, he never, Al Horford never scored nearly enough points. Yeah, Twenty five points. For, that's a lot of points. Like I said, think think about their tricky answers, and they happen. I'm trying in to think: years. is there some like Carmelo's not? Uh we talked about one of the transactions that involved them on the pod earlier. 
came up. Pure Ray Allen. Later no, than that. No. Later than that. Hmm. Well, this is becoming boring, so just go. Right. Yeah, what? It, come on, just. I'll give this. you one final hit. There are two guys that have had serious injury issues that change teams. See if that triggers it in the last few years. Kawhi Leonard. Nope. All right, you guys, you guys like... lose. Uh, one of them was Isaiah Thomas, who was traded for Kyrie Irving from the Celtics to mm. the Cavs in the no, offseason. That was a trade, yeah. The other one was DeMarcus Cousins signing with the Warriors. Oh, man, yeah. that is a tricky one. That's a tricky one. So there you go. Yeah. Those are the four guys. We were right to look at the Warriors and Cavs. We just didn't think about the right transaction. I just never... that Andre Iguodala average eight point nine points. Every guy, say... every guy you guys said was just one role player that scored less points over time. I was like, geez, this let me just say that in Cleveland, Isaiah Thomas was never a twenty-five point scorer. <laughs> no, did he score twenty-five his whole time? I mean, one of one of my one of one of the one of the things I will remember most in my time covering the league is when LeBron hit the shot the night before Isaiah got traded, and Isaiah like. Mm. Tried to join in the celebration and just was just, just dismissed. rude. Just well, dismissed. the 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 backstory of that is not that we want to go down this rabbit hole. Is LeBron had found out earlier that day that they were trading. It was the night before the trade deadline. Yes, and they had told him we're trading Isaiah Thomas tomorrow. They did a whole series of trades they couldn't do at that time. So LeBron hit a game winner and then just acted as if he wasn't on the team anymore because in LeBron's head he, he was not on the team. Yeah, that's why that was amazing. Um, yet he was back with the Lakers, you know, so whatever. Um, all right. So we've done this on our, uh, on some videos over the last, uh, couple of uh, weeks where we take a look at some teams in the league before we get into the losers in uh, free agency, um, for lack of a better term. And, you know, I'm a little bit loath to go with this branding, but, uh, whatever we're, we're calling it. What's going on with why, 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 why would they do that? Very strange trade. Why would you do that? And we did it with the Mavericks and we did it with the Pistons. Um, so we're now going to bring it into the main pod. It was, the other ones are available on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, but now we're going to bring it into the main pod. Um, so what's going on with the Denver Nuggets as we took we take a look at uh, their moves and what's headed forward? Um, the Nuggets made um, two significant, well, I would say three significant moves this offseason. One, they signed Nikola Jokic to a um, contract extension, um, which was kind of a kind of a no drama because Jokic said at his exit interview, "Yeah, I'll sign it." <laughs> it was like the greatest. It was like the greatest uh, uh, extension for an MVP in uh, league history. Um, and of course, they lost their general manager or team president. I guess his title mm -hmm. was Tim Connolly to Minnesota. Calvin Booth was promoted behind him. Um, but the two significant maneuvers they made to their roster. Uh, they traded for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and then subsequently extended him two more years. He was on the last year of his contract making $14 million. They extended him two years um, at $30 million, uh, $15 million a year, a reasonable extension. And then their significant free agent signing was 
No, not DeAndre Jordan. Was Bruce Brown. I was going to say. (laughs) That was a little bait for you, McMahon. Um, They signed Bruce Brown away from the Nets on a a three-year deal. Actually, a two-year deal, player option second year um, for the taxpayer mid-level as they are going to be a taxpayer this year. Um, So the big thing about the Nets, uh, McMahon, is that, you know, everything about them is the health of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., um, Porter Jr. gave an interview at, in Vegas Summer League saying that he was feeling good, expected to be back. I don't know if we can count on that, but you know, I think any discussion about the Nuggets starts with the health of those two guys. Those are the second, their second and third best players. Right, because if those guys are healthy, this is a legitimate contender. This is a team that, uh, without those two guys, was a playoff team. Jokic is, you know, two-time MVP. We can debate you know, where he ranks as far as players you'd want to have on your roster, but it's a, it's a very short list. They did give up Monty Morris, who's a quality player for them to get Caldwell Pope, but he, with Murray coming back and Bones Highland, uh, yeah, they're big you know, believers looked, in Bones Highland. Yeah. And I, and that's a bet that I'm willing to make too. I, uh, you know, he, he was a luxury. And so what they've done is they've gotten two guys in Brown and Caldwell Pope, who I think fit really well, complementing their core Murray is going to be uh, a year and a half removed from the ACL uh, I'm willing to bet on him being at least close to what he was before which would be a a really really good second option the wild card to me um because of his back and because of his head is Michael Porter Jr uh if if you're getting kind of the peak version of him then you're you're getting one of the best Catch and shoot scores in the league, a six foot ten guy with a beautiful stroke with a quick release. Um, you know, who who kind of knows how to move without the ball, who fits really well playing off of off of Jokic and Murray. Um, but who knows what you're getting from him? And and I would say the one big mistake that Tim Connolly made during his tenure running the Nuggets was giving him that full rookie max extension with, without the injury protection. That that's the it's a it's a risk that we well, gave it to him about scary. three months before he needed another surgery, which right. which I mean it was a risk no matter what. But the fact that he immediately maybe even was hurt already, I don't know. But actually, I don't know. Let me take that back. I don't know if he was hurt already. But 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 um, no. He, but why did he why did he fall to fourteenth in the draft? What well, a guy who was considered the but, number one overall pick. Taking him 14th in the draft and giving him 170 million are two different discussions. Right. Great pick at 14th. You know, you needed to at least mitigate that risk on the max extension. And again, mainly because of the back, but also he's there's been a lot of things with him that don't necessarily scream reliability. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head across the board. If this team is healthy, they're one of the three or four best teams in the West, I think, pretty clearly. You know, we haven't we saw them very briefly with the four guys together, Jamal, you know, Murray Porter, Jokic, and Gordon. They looked really, really good. I love the Bruce Brown signing. I think he's got a chance to be a fantastic fit there. Like you look at Jokic with his ability to hit cutters, like mm-hmm. the way Bruce plays, cutting to the basket, being a, a pest on defense at the other end. Like, I think he's an awesome fit there. I really like that move when it happened early on in free agency. Um, and while they saved money doing the Monty Morris trade with him and Will Barton for Catavius Caldwell Pope and Ish Smith. KCP is a guy that gives them another three and D guy on the wing, a more natural three and D guy than a guy like Will Barton. Um, so that, that could potentially help them too. 
you know, but it all does come down to health. Does, does Jamal come back? I mean, look, Jamal Murray's a great player. He also hasn't made an all-star team yet. Like, you know, does he have another level to go in addition to being healthy? Can he get back and sort of take one more leap? Can Michael Porter, as you said, get on the court? Um, but you have that group of guys together and they're all healthy. You know, I, I think they're going to be a really tough out in the playoffs next year. And Jokic has caught a lot of grief for losing in the playoffs the last two years. He lost in the last two years with the second and third best players on the team, not playing. Right. So, you know, let's see what happens this year. Um, if those guys are healthy and ready to go when it, it gets to playoff time, we'll say this, the nuggets haven't paid the luxury tax in 12 years. Um, so they're going into the tax with this team. It's not something that uh, the Cronkies have done uh, a lot before. Um, Obviously, when you have a uh, and they're going into the tax basically because they, you know, it's not so much for Jokic. They're going into the tax because they decided to pay Michael Porter. So mm. um, he's a huge swing piece for them. I don't think he, I don't think he has to be a superstar for them to be a contender. But he's got to be really good. He's got to be really good. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting. And you know, the one thing that they have been able to do really effectively over their over building this team was they've drafted very well and they've developed those players. Jokic was a pick. Murray was a pick. Porter was a pick. Um, you know, the, the, the Bones Highland was, is a, is a late first round pick for sure. And they've had other guys that were successful picks that they've traded um, for. So, you know, the key is going to be, can they continue to um, use that pipeline? Are they going to still be able to develop around these guys? Because, um, like they, they need Bones Highland to be really good. You know, the decisions they made this offseason to set that up. They so, need Zeke Naji to be good too. I mean, you talk yeah. about DeAndre Jordan, but like that the moves they made this summer have opened up a lot of playing time for him. He's a pretty interesting young guy too. Like he's another guy that's got to be good. So there's a lot of questions, but there's also a lot of upside. Like they could yeah. be a really, really, really good team. Yeah, and sure. and you know, we do, like they will be a really good offensive team. If if Porter's healthy, they will be a great offensive team. And then the question is with Jokic. Um, despite the fact that I, he has made drastic improvements as far as a team defender. Um, but can you build a contender caliber defense around Jokic? And if you're going to do that, you know, the the move for Aaron Gordon was certainly a step in the right direction. We didn't see well, it a lot, but remember how good their record was after the Gordon trade before Murray got hurt. Getting Caldwell Pope, getting Bruce Brown. You know, they've got these pieces. Uh, exactly. Having DeAndre Jordan really motivating them, waving a towel on the bench. <laughs> right. If you look at their last three significant acquisitions, um, Gordon, Caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown, they've all been defensive based um, acquisitions. So um, that, you know, at least shows a, a vision there. Uh, okay. Uh, now we want to move on to um, last season or this off seasons, the teams we have in the sort of the loser category. Um, there's some teams that could be called losers here that we could end up sliding to winners. There could be some teams that are right now in the middle that could slide to losers. We granted asterisks this with more moves to be made, but from what we've seen, Bon Temps, who do you have at the uh, unfortunate top oh, don't of the? Be, don't be starting with me. Start with start with the other Tim on this one. There's, a, right, pretty obvious, there's a pretty obvious choice we need to start with. <laughs> All I mean, right, you got to you, you got to start with the Mavericks. Uh, Jalen Brunson was obviously a huge, huge part of this team that made a West Finals run. Uh, they, you know, Mark Cuban, Nico Harrison made it clear going the offseason, keeping Jalen Brunson was their top priority. And 
it's not that they lost a bidding war. They basically said, we're not going to try to outbid that uh, with the Knicks. The, the, the price got too high. I, what would it have taken to, to keep Jam Brunson? I don't know. And the Mavericks weren't willing to find out ultimately once it got to 26 a year. You know, could they have given him five for 130 and kept him? I don't know. I don't know if 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 that would have worked or not. It, would it had to be five for one four? Who knows? But they lost their second best player for nothing. Um, now, when, when we've talked about this, kind of what their feeling is, hey, we weren't comfortable paying that much for a guy who they didn't think was a perfect fit with Luka. Getting Tim Hardaway back from injury, they feel like replaces some of the scoring. They turned a first-round pick and, and four-end of bench guys into Christian Wood that gives them uh, some more scoring there. I am extremely curious to see, one, how things work out with Christian Wood, and two, what exactly is his role going to be? Are you starting him at power forward where it's a weird fit, or are you bringing him off the bench where I think you're really risking some uh, – unhappiness, chemistry concerns with a guy who considers himself a star in a contract year. They did sign JaVel McGee and immediately anointed him as a starter. That was basically <laughs> in the terms of the contract. Yeah, and so another, it's going to be interesting. Odd, yeah. I, I didn't like hardly anything they did at all. Like I, you can understand in a vacuum, not signing Jalen Brunson, right? What you can't, what what makes it a disastrous thing for them isn't that they didn't pay him $110 million, that they didn't pay him 55 right. six months ago on the 0.1% chance they could put him in a trade for a star player. There was no trade that was coming down the pipe that was going to make sense for them to do that. And he would have been an incredible bargain. Like mm-hmm. if he was signed to that contract right now with Dorian Finney-Smith, like the same one Dodo signed a couple of yep. months later, we'd be looking at them as huge winners going forward because they'd have two key pieces signed to great contracts going forward and they'd still have all the cash space down the road to add to this team instead they lose Jalen Brunson they bet on Christian Wood who was a guy that had been hanging out there for a while for teams to go get in trades mm-hmm. and nobody had been willing to trade for and that Dallas decided to give up a pick for because they sort of had to because of the position they backed themselves into and then even signing JaVale to be their starting center is a bizarre move like that's your move when you have a couple of centers on the roster already is to spend the tax MLE to go add JaVale McGee as a lob threat. Like, I don't know. I well, we'll see I, what and, happens and with their the, team. I just, I didn't like their off season one. I I will say the thought process with JaVale was basically nice guy, Dwight Powell, but the playoffs, they, they didn't think he's a playoff caliber player. Right. And what is JaVale? Got, well, they believe so, um, and they wow. believe he's a he's a twenty ish minute per game starter. They, they felt like that their weaknesses were they were getting their butts kicked on the boards. They feel like he'll help that, and they feel like he gives them a a legitimate rim protector. And and now again, we'll see. Um, I'm not saying I'm giving that move two thumbs up. Uh, that's an inside Javel McGee joke from his last Mavericks <laughs> tenure, <laughs> but. Um, you know that again. That that's their logic there. Now they feel like they they have the flexibility to play that traditional pick and roll. Because with Luca, like, look, I do think this Javale McGee uh, playing twenty minutes might average ten points per game on five dunks a game playing with Luca Doncic, right? Sure. So they're giving Luca that legitimate, uh, big, athletic 
lob threat off the off the pick and roll who can protect the rim, who can clean up the glass. And then obviously they still have Maxi Kleba. So they they still have and Christian Wood. So they, you know, they've got a couple so let options. Me, let me ask you this. Able to play five out. Spencer Dinwiddie after the trade last year. Now he he will be a sort of the second year off the surgery for the ACL. He never shot the ball better in his career than the the games he played with Dallas. It was 23 games. It was a quarter of a season. It's not, it's a, it's a sample size. It's not substantial, but he's never, he never shot the ball better. He shot the best three point percentage, shot the best overall percentage. Mm -hmm. He averaged 16 points. Um, Is there a window for Spencer Dinwiddie, especially being healthier to have a huge year here and change your viewpoint of their horizon? Well, that's definitely a, a huge part of the hope. And look, when, when they made that trade for, uh, you know, you can call it the Dinwiddie trade. We all understand what that trade was. That was, they decided Chris Tapp's Porzingis is not a fit. And as soon as they didn't have to give up a first round pick to get off him, they did. They took back two contracts that the Wizards were eager to get off of. Spencer Dinwiddie was one of those contracts. I would say uh, Bertans is the other. Bertans is whatever, your ninth or 10th man making 16 mil a year. Dinwiddie at 19 mil a year is not a bad deal now, right? He is... Uh, as you mentioned, further removed from that ACL, he he showed you uh, that he could fit in Dallas, that you know he could contribute, that he could play well. I'm not I'm not going to bet on him shooting that percentage from three when he'd never done it before in his career. But look, with Brunson's departure, he slides into the starting lineup. He's certainly going to have opportunity, and and they absolutely need him. Matter of fact, one of the other failures of this offseason is the fact that they only have two ball handlers on the entire roster with Brunson's departure. They could have signed Goran Dragic, but according to what he said on a, on a podcast in Slovenia, they basically told him, eh, you're not going to play a whole lot. Uh, Luca loves you. You know, if you, you know, if you want to uh, slide into that towel even 15th man role, if you want to be a shorter version of Boban, that's cool. We got a spot for you. <laughs> and, and, and he was like, what's he talking about, dude? Like I can still play. And honestly, apparently they don't think that he still has that, but they, they need another ball handler. What happens in the, you know, 10 to 12 games that didn't what he probably has to sit out the, the 10 to 12 games that Luke probably has to sit out, if not more, you know, given those guys track record, like they need more ball handling on this roster. Yeah. I just, I mean, look, Spencer could definitely play well this year. But that's not going to take away from the fact that they lost Jalen Brunson for nothing. And like, that's just, you can't lose pieces like that for nothing, especially when it's because you screwed up in your evaluation of him six months earlier. That's, that's really the disaster here. It's again, it's not that well, they, they kind of, they kind of made two mistakes. They, they, they mishandled the extension. Okay. We don't need to beat them over the head right. about that anymore. We got it. The other thing is, they misjudged what the Knicks could do in terms of yep. creating cap space. And they still could have done a sign and trade with the Knicks if they were a little bit, if they handled, I think it a little bit differently, because even if they had done a sign and trade, they would then have a, 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 a this. A trade TPE. exception. They could do something with. Right. Yes. And, and kind of like they got for Josh Richardson last year. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but how often do those trade exceptions turn into anything? Well, you, and, you know, you know, it, it leaves open some windows for the next year. Yeah. But, and, but and, if, if they have to give something up to make that happen, I don't know about that. 
Um, well, but I, I think that a lot, like the Celtics, said, you know, when they lost Gordon Hayward, they, you know, they created a trade exception. They were able to do some stuff with it. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, granted, I think the Fournier was one of the big things they did with it, but that didn't work out, but they were able to roll it over and do some things. I think, you know, getting, you know, they're getting literally nothing back. Um, yeah. And that, that, uh, that hurts when it's your second best player and you get nothing back that hurts. Yep. Not doing All the right. extension Five when they could have hurts. And and honestly, like you said, they miscalculated the market. They said these cap space teams aren't going to be fits for him. And the Knicks can't create that cap space. And the Knicks created that cap space a hell of a lot easier than certainly the Mavericks anticipated. And I think any of us anticipated. Yeah. Bontemps, um, we have some players who we think had a bad summer, but uh any other teams that you want to talk about? Yeah, the two teams that stand out to me are the Suns and the Heat. Two teams that, as McMahon pointed out earlier when he talked about Phoenix, they have a very small window with Chris Paul, right? And they are either right now the same team they were last year or worse. And the Heat, obviously, again, Jimmy Butler's your best player. You have a fairly small window, and they're worse with PJ Tucker leaving. Like they just, they don't really have a power forward on the roster now. And, you know, for those teams going into next season, teams that have designs on being in the NBA finals and trying to win a championship as they stand right now, those teams have taken a step back. Now, obviously they have been talked about as being in the mixer, Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell, or not Donovan Mitchell in Miami's case. Uh, I don't think Miami has the ammo to get either of those guys. If they somehow pull off one of those trades, this is one of those scenarios where that could drastically change mm-hmm. in the next two months. But between that and again, we've talked about it a bunch with Miami. They also have a pretty interesting situation set up with Tyler Hero where they have to decide sometime between now and the start of the season whether they'll pay him. My guess is they will not pay him because then they can't trade him and they'll want to have the ability to trade him during the season if it comes up. But I think those two teams being stuck in neutral when you look at Denver getting healthy, the Clippers getting healthy. Um, you know, the teams in the West that are going to be really good. I think that's a loss for them. And again, PJ going to a direct rival, Boston getting better, Milwaukee getting healthy, Brooklyn still not having traded their guys. You look around the East to me, Miami is taking a step back and that makes them a loser for me too. Well, and, and with the Suns, when you have the best record in the league coming off a finals appearance and lose the way that they did in the playoffs – that's you don't just eh, well sweep that you know dust that thing under the rug and keep on moving no that is the kind of you know the when you get kicked in the lower region like that the the pain endures that lingers and we saw that in Utah way, last year we saw in Utah and you know we've talked about the you know the 06 going into I'm sorry the 0, uh 07 Mavs and you know yep. it the that you have to do something to kind of jolt the franchise to reinvigorate the franchise. And the way things went down with Deandre Ayton, where basically we don't think you're a max player. Well, crap. Now we got to give you, you know, we got to sign you to this max because we don't have any choice. Indiana, you know, pushed us into the corner on that. I just the the friction between him and Monty Williams that emerged, like, dude, there's just a lot of weird energy around that franchise, right. not to mention the whole Sarver situation. Let me say a couple of things about the Suns. 
you could argue that their incredible dominance in clutch play last year, one of the greatest clutch play teams since we've been keeping clutch play mm-hmm. stats, may have masks may have masked how actually good of a team they were. That if you played that season out four or five times, that maybe 64 wins was the best possible thing that could have happened. Maybe they were actually, even though I was incredibly impressed with them throughout the season, I spent a significant amount of time around them. I was impressed with their focus. I was impressed with the way they handled their business. I liked the way that they were built. Um, you could argue that maybe they their record wasn't indicative of, of their actual quality as a contender. I'm not necessarily arguing that, but I've heard it argued. Um, but I also will say a couple of things. Number one, I think Mikhail Bridges has more to grow. I don't think he's just a three and D player. I think he has a window to have a bigger role. I, I think he can be more than he's shown. He had a couple of moments in the playoffs last year where he showed it. I don't know if they're going to design their team in a way that's going to allow him to do that. But I think there's more to Mikhail Bridges than just being a dogged defender who hits some corner threes. I think he can do a lot more and I would encourage them to look for ways to do him more, especially if you're looking to take some of the uh, pressure off of Chris Paul a little bit. I think Mikhail Bridges can be more involved in their offense. Um, I think the same thing about DeAndre Ayton. I thought, I've thought about this for a couple of years. Now, there are people who are either pro Ayton or anti Ayton. Um, I think Bontemps has pointed out, amongst other people, the guy does not get to the line. And that makes it a lot harder to run stuff for him because he just he doesn't hunt scoring. The guy shoots over 60% and he shoots jumpers. I think you could run some more for him too. So I think that there's 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 potential on that team to be unlocked even beyond what we have seen. And the other thing I'm going to say is, even if they're not going to get Durant, they are still in position to make a trade that could really help them. They have the expiring contract of Dario Sarge, who will be back this year. I don't know what he's going to be able to give them coming off the ACL. He will be back. He's a sort of a forgotten man, but you know because people you know like. You know, they let um, JaVale McGee go, and it was like, oh, my gosh, they just let JaVale McGee. He was a really valuable backup. I was like, well, it's because they're getting Sarge back. Like, don't forget about Sarge. Mm-hmm. I mean, he should be able to to help them. He's a quality player. I'm not going to spend much more time, but he's also a trade chip. They have a number of other tradable contracts like Landry Shamit, Jay Crowder, and they own all of their picks going forward. And they have they're openly on the record is not being super duper invested in the draft. Um, and even in, though I'm interested in strategy, I agree. Um, also they signed Josh Koji. I know he's been an underachiever. I like him as a player. I'm not going to say more than that, but I think um, you could present the case that the Suns are not a finished product either in what their team can do as a, um, as a, uh, as a, you know, as what their roster actually has and what they can do going forward. One thing to watch, I think is interesting is do they sign Cam Johnson, who's mm-hmm. extension eligible to an extension? They are another team that has not paid the luxury tax in, um, in over a decade. I think 2010 or 11, I think 2010 was the last time. Actually, I have it right here. I will tell you. The last time they paid the luxury tax was 2010. And so they're going to be in the luxury tax significantly this year. But obviously, going forward, that's a question mark, and that will affect. Also, if you sign Cam um, Cam Johnson to a um, to a uh, extension, you uh, um, you make him very hard. 
makes it harder to trade him. So we'll see what they think about this roster, what they do with, with that one. Um, well, and let's see what happens with DeAndre Ayton too, because they, you know, they certainly didn't make that a pleasant negotiating experience for anybody involved going back all the way to, you know, you reported Brian on it last fall. It wasn't, it wasn't fun then. And it certainly was much less fun the way it was handled both in the immediate aftermath of that game seven loss and then into free agency. So let's see if there's any lingering after effects of that as well. There's just a lot, lot going on there. All right. yeah, and, and, and look, I love bridges too. And I agree with you. I think there's more there, but I also covered a playoff series and, and in which in their last three losses, he scored in single digits in each game. He he shrunk, along with a lot of other guys on that roster, Chris Paul primarily, he shrunk as that series went on uh, against Dallas. Now, young player, you know, you're not always going to – you're not going to be great in every playoff series, but he's he's got a lot to prove coming off of that. I would say him and, and Cam Johnson are the two still ascending – well, and Aiden, but I don't – I just don't think Aiden's going to be there that much longer. No, we'll you see. know the the way those negotiations went down was not it's that's not a long term marriage. They're, they're definitely a TBD, but the fact that they are a TBD and they haven't gotten better when they have Chris Paul's one of their key pieces who's going into a season where he'll be thirty eight during next year's playoffs that makes them a loser for me. All right, uh, a couple of players that we thought didn't have the greatest summer. One of them, is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, uh, I don't know what he wanted but he didn't want a one-year contract. Uh, he wasn't able to get an extension with the Nets that he was willing to accept. He sought uh, some sort of sign and trade if he had opted out of his contract. He wasn't able to find that. He opted back into the Nets. Uh, the Nets with Durant, you know, I think had some trade discussions with him. I think, you know, the Lakers, you know, there were some talks there. That wasn't able to get done. And so now he's you know, in this position where he's like, oh yeah, everything's fine. Status quo works for me. Um, he might end up coming on the other, on the, he might have a great season. He might be highly incentivized to do so and have his best season in a while. And he may end up with wonderful options because there's a lot of teams with cap space next year, but I wouldn't say this summer went the way he was uh, envisioning. <laughs> I think uh, you're the master of understatement. Um, <laughs> it, it, it went so well that He's staying with Brooklyn and his his you know best buddy KD says, ah, you know what? Get me the hell out of here. That's all you need right. to know. That's how well right. things went. And he didn't have uh and his Nike contract is ending and not being renewed, and he couldn't get any long-term contracts. So he's financially Yeah, know. I mean, I think it was the first time Kyrie could really look around and see that there wasn't dramatic interest in him, right? Like the Nets basically said. Go find a trade, boss. And, you know, the Lakers are the only team that was really desperate enough to be willing to pay him a long-term deal. That, you know, it, I don't think it was a coincidence. It went from that to opting in the next day. It was like, and, all right, why this is what were, I got to do. Why were the Lakers so eager to, to impart to trade for Kyrie? Because of I, I got a feeling the next guy who's on your list. Well, right, I, actually had, I actually had a different guy than that guy. Um, but... Uh, to me, I think LeBron is a loser of the summer. And I, I think it's for what you were alluding to in that obviously the Lakers made this catastrophically bad Westbrook trade a year ago. Mm -hmm. We talked about Russ last week. We don't need to get into that any further. But if you're LeBron going into your age 38 season and the Lakers this summer, while 
I think we all agree they made better moves than last summer because they signed guys that were all 10 years younger than the guys they signed last summer. They still signed Lonnie Walker, who is a project young wing. Yeah, He was the one above minimum signing they made. Like Damian Jones has played better the last couple of years. Like he's an interesting minimum signing you, as, a, as a center, but they're, they're all minimum signings. You signed a bunch of guys last year. One of them worked out in Malik Monk and you lost him. That's right. And now, and now you've signed a bunch of younger, better bets as minimum players, but this still is a roster that's filled out with minimum players that has one guy, again, for more than the minimum and Lonnie Walker, who I have not really seen much to think he's going to be that great for them. And Taylor Horton, obviously, Kendrick Dunn didn't even play last year. Taylor Horton Tucker was a disappointment last year. Then you've got LeBron and AD. And if you're LeBron, you're looking around at this team and you're saying, we're a team that is not good enough. Like we're not good enough to be anywhere near the kind of place I want to be. And they don't really have a path to doing that short of mm -hmm. this Kyrie thing falling in their lap eventually, which I don't think it's going to happen. And frankly, even if he gets there, I don't know if they're still good enough because of the weaknesses they have around those three guys then. So if to me, just looking at it, if you're LeBron, you're going into your age 38 season. And to me, it's looking like while well, he's going to get the scoring title or the all-time scoring title, if he's healthy, from a win standpoint, it feels like it's headed towards another lost season for him. And me looking at it, if I'm him, I have to look at that as a disappointment and as him as one of the losers of this offseason, at least. At let me point. let me ask you something. So in the last week, you know, there's all these stuff about the the Pacers didn't get DeAndre Ayton. So they had this cap space. They had 30 million in cap space. So they talked to the Lakers about doing a Westbrook trade and they couldn't agree to it. I don't I don't know if it's going to happen now, but it could be revisited. Let's say let's not let's not worry about what the Lakers would send out. Let's just say that they were able to execute a trade where they got um, the two players that were rumored to be headed there, mm -hmm. Buddy Heald, um, who obviously they've been attached to for over over a year now. Um, <laughs> who they should have gotten last summer? Clearly, I, I don't want. I, we're, we're, I'm also going to ban talk about the Westbrook trade going forward okay. i think uh, and miles turner so i'm, I'm not banning the, that westbrook trade or the uh rockets westbrook trade i'm still gonna name it on okay. all those all right miles turner and buddy healed um let's just say for the sake of a discussion let's say they're able to pull that trade let's not focus on whether they have to give up two first sure. or whatever sure right where are the lakers if they swap out russell westbrook and they have healed and miles turner because i think they're a significantly better team. Absolutely. But how many games does Anthony Davis play? How many games does LeBron play? Well, I Anthony mean, Davis, if he plays well, 40 games, does, again, if Anthony it Davis doesn't matter. and LeBron aren't great, well, it here, doesn't matter. Here's, here's the better. Here's the, uh, this is the better question. They obviously are a better team if they trade two guys that are either decent to good NBA players for a guy that currently is not. So, yes, they're a better team and probably a significantly better team. The question is, what does that mean? Like, is that team better than Minnesota? Maybe. Like, maybe they're better. Is that yeah. team better than Denver? I would say no. Mm -hmm. Is that team better than the Clippers? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Is that team better than Memphis? I would say probably not. Is that Warriors? team better than Golden State? I would say probably not. Right? Dallas? So, like, Dallas, pro pro that team's better than Dallas. But like again, you're not talking if, about not if Luke is the MVP of the league. Well, yeah, I don't know, but... man. If Anthony Davis and LeBron are awesome, 
which Dallas, again, we just talked about Dallas taking a big step back. My point is we're talking about the Lakers with that trade. To me, the Lakers go from being a team that's clearly in the play-in to one that's somewhere between like four and eight. Clearly in the play-in. They weren't in the play-in. The, the, I'm, we I'm can't assume the Lakers even make the play-in. Okay. I Okay. Right. You're you're now you're now going into like hyper Laker hate territory. What Dude, I'm saying I, is, I, I joke that it that our, our Lakers beat writer's nickname was Mac Eleven last year. I, I ended under- up being right. I understand. They my point is right now the Lakers are a team that they're going to be in the play in tournament mix. Okay, that's that's to me what their ceiling is. They're not a top six team in the West. I agree. If they trade for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, they go from that being their ceiling to a team that I think could maybe get to around fourth in the West and be like a mid-tier playoff team. But they need that kind of a trade to be relevant in the West. And if AD and LeBron are great, which... No, but I'm saying... I'm saying if Very possible. If those guys are great, they're a contender. No, not no, that's my point though. They're not a contender, I don't think, with that trade. That's what I'm saying. If I if you're if you're saying a team is fourth or fifth in the West after they make that trade, that doesn't make them a contender. It makes them a much better team okay, in the short term. No, 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 no. But, but that's yeah. the thing. No, that it's a very important thing because you're then trading because the part you like you said will set aside what they have to trade. You can't set aside what they have to trade because they well, barely have any. They well, barely have anything the left to trade. And if they trade their assets in to get guys that make them a pretty good team instead of an okay team, that's just sort of that's pushing the cart down the road right. a year and you're, not you're doing getting anything to my point. You're getting to my point. My point is the Lakers first have to evaluate how good they would be after that trade. And then they have to evaluate, okay, well, how much are we willing to pay to get to that level? Right. And and, and, and I think and, they've done that. I think they've done that. And at this point, they I, the, the price is not worth it to them. I think the Lakers' best path to contention is to not make one of these trades unless it, it does happen. They can't happen to get Kyrie because he is one. He is a di- for all of his issues. He is a difference making mm-hmm. player, and wait for this season to be over and go to LeBron and say, "Hey, LeBron, we need you to do what James Harden did and take a little less money next summer and allow us the ability to add pieces around you that can make us actually be I a championship agree. level team." That is their best path. These or- like make make good moves in the meantime are just are, are going to just sabotage them on both ends or, or they could do this. They could see what Kendrick Nunn looks like. I'm not saying he's going to save their franchise, but he hadn't played. They could see what he looks like. They could see what Lonnie Walker looks like. They could see how good LeBron and AD are. And if they get to January and they're like in fighting seventh, then they could reevaluate. And as far as Westbrook, if he wants to play the role, play the role. If he doesn't want to play the role, We'll see ya. That's also yeah. a path that they could take too, and then evaluate midseason whether they want to do those trade <laughs> to, to do a trade like that because that trade for Minnesota, like I don't know what Indiana is going to do with their cap space, but that trade might not go away. That trade might be yeah. there in a couple of months. No, I mean that so. trade's probably not going anywhere. But again, it's like it's it are are you trying to make moves to just be an okay team? Or are you trying to make moves to be a championship level team? That's why to me at this point in LeBron's career, beyond the obvious short-term individual accolade of being the all-time scoring leader in the history of the league. Winning championships is what he is sort of set. He's set the standard at, right? Being in the finals, winning championships. That's to me completely off the board with this team, which makes him a loser of the offseason. Okay. We got to wrap this up, but I will say that the, the thing that complicates this whole thing is when LeBron has the 
extension. Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't sign and doesn't explain why, and we go into media day with LeBron not extending, it's going to cause a pall over the organization. Even though, as you just said, Bontemps, when you sit there and look at the whole sphere, the whole the whole field, it's not actually maybe the worst decision. It might be the best decision, not only for him but also for the Lakers. And it's not like he needs the money. This is not like when he went back to Cleveland in 2014 and he wanted to sign contracts and not only put pressure on the Cavs, but made sure he was going to get the maximum amount of dollars because he had just left money on the table in Miami. It's not about the money anymore. Obviously, he's going to want money. He's not playing for the minimum, but um, but that's something to keep in mind. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Mazel tov, McMahon. <laughs> Safe travels, Von Temps. <laughs> we, we will talk to you in two weeks, unless there's a big trade or a massive maneuver, and then it will be an emergency podcast. Thank you for listening and hanging with us for so long. Take care. Adios, amigos. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash hoop.